Ciao tutti. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy. I'm Kimberly Holcomb, and I'm here with my podcast producer and partner, Tommaso. Ciao, bella donna. Ciao, come stai, Tommaso? Molto bene, molto bene. <laughs> Perfecto. Well, welcome back to those of you that have listened to our podcast, and we're happy to take you today on this new episode. What episode number are we at? This is episode seven. Excellent. We're going to take you on a road trip from a teeny, teeny mountaintop town on the top northwest corner of Tuscany called Vezzanello over to Cinque Terre in the southwestern corner of the region Liguria and then back to Vezzanello. So, benvenuti. Welcome. The reason we went to this teeny spit of a village in the first place was because I met a woman in New York City named Janice. She worked at a branding advertising agency and my agent got me an appointment with her since her company was looking for a photographer to shoot a campaign for a British um, cosmetic company. So Janice is English, as is the branding agency. So I showed up with my portfolio and while she was looking at it, she asked where I had taken a specific image because it was a, a location shoot, obviously not in Manhattan, which is where we were. So I said, oh, I shot that in, in Italy. I lived there for several years. I've just been here in New York for about a year and a half. So she then said, oh, my partner Richard and I, we just bought an old Rustico in Tuscany. So Rustico is a fixer-upper house. So she kind of flipped through my portfolio nonchalantly. We talked all things Italian. Fast forward like half an hour, I got the job. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> and we became fast friends. All due to our mutual love of Bellitalia. So Janice and Richard bought this rustico house in the village of Vezzanello. And she just told me the other day, we spoke about this episode. She told me the other day, there's maybe only 50 to 100 locals left, which makes you sad. But the fact that this kind of rustic home purchase renovation is going on, it makes these locals happy. They're happy to have new blood. They're happy to have the houses restored, etc. So Janice and Richard ended up there because they were friends of the family of David Bellany. And I say this because we have a lot of English friends that listen to our podcast. And they know David Bellamy, who was a famous British broadcaster, producer, author. And he And a chose, botanist. He was a botanist. Yes, correct. And a environmental advocate, one of the first. And he chose Vezzanello of all the places to live in the world. So that must just say something about the beauty of the region. So the Rustico they bought was more than the Euro house purchase that you can do today. Maybe Richard and Janice actually started this whole concept. <laughs> well, I'm not sure, but I'm not sure you can buy a Rustico I think a Rustico starts at about 200,000 euros in Tuscany these Maybe. days. <laughs> well, they put a lot of money into it because it needed it structurally and the foundation and everything. But the deal is you have to leave the exterior as it was, to, to look as it was built. So they did just that. But they have very contemporary, modern taste so that their house is so stunning. The exterior looks like the other houses in the villages. And then inside it's bright and modern, 
modern kitchen, big kitchen. Looks like Milano on the inside, Tuscany yes, on the outside. Exactly. So, by the way, they rent this fabulous house of theirs. I think it was like five bedroom, four bedroom at least with ensuite bathrooms. So, now that I say that, you should get in touch with me. Keep in mind that this is what I do private travel planning anywhere in Italy. And, you know, I think if you have listened to a, a few of our podcasts here, you know me by now. I won't plan you a mediocre, out of the can type vacation. <laughs> It'll be anything but boring. Boring is not on the menu. <laughs> right. We'd like something in a five-star hotel. Nope. For well, seven yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> and we just want to be with other people who hang out in five-star hotels. English. And not meet any locals. <laughs> right. So anyway... Get in touch and I can uh, give you the details about Richard and Janice's rental house. So they knew that uh, we all lived in Manhattan at the time. And they knew that Tom Tommaso and I were going to Sardinia for a sailing regatta of his. And so they invited us to come visit them in Vezzanello first. So what did we do? We flew into Florence, Firenze, and we rented a Fiat Punto at the airport. Why'd we do that? Why'd we choose that car? Well, it was, <laughs> it was probably, we were staying in, in in Italy for a couple of weeks, at least. I think we were there for three weeks. And, you know, it's economics. And um, it's always a challenge to drive a large-scale lawnmower on a highway. And that's what we did. <laughs> Particularly with the Italians who drive, well, let's just say it's an experience. Right. I think... Basically, we just weren't thinking about the fact that their house was on top of a mountain and we should have gone at least with a, you know, a larger scale Fiat. But we chose the little Punto, the lawnmower with wheels. Uh, we were following Janice's directions because it's not that far of a drive from Florence or Pisa. So we were following her directions and, you know, it says, get off the autostrada here. Then we're on a secondary road. Then we're on a little, little nothing road, then all of a sudden, take this right. And you will then go up the mountain to Vezzanello on 22 switchbacks. And we thought she was exaggerating. Right? <laughs> she wasn't because no. I was driving and between my left foot on the clutch and my right hand trying to downshift every four feet. <laughs> um, I don't think we met. I, I, I don't think we burned any gears, but it was a long drive up and it was a lot of shifting. It's kind of like my drive in Lago di Como going up to Bisbino, the Swiss border. Remember when yeah, I said yeah, I yeah. felt like I was going to go backwards? Yes. Weren't we like in second and first gear basically the whole time on these 22 switchbacks? Pretty much. I think there may have been one or two third gears, but not very many. <laughs> so, but the funny thing is we got to the very top and that is the top of the mountain. And you had like, what, 20 feet to find a parking spot because then it just went downhill, but... <laughs> You don't come up to the top right. of the mountain with and not know where you're going with pace. Right. Well, you couldn't in a Fiat Punto. <laughs> you, should go, you go right over the other side. Good back right. down. So we find the one little parking spot, which is right outside their house. And we didn't know this part either, but they had four friends from London come visit them the night before Two two couples, old friends of theirs that they worked with. And they hadn't seen each other in a very long time, these six Brits. So they stayed up all night. 
partying, playing guitar, singing, and they were just waking up when we arrived. So we said, ah, non c'è problema. We'll go find a little coffee bar and, and check out the town and we'll meet you back here after your showers. But what we didn't know is the town is so teeny. So between the coffee and walking the whole length of the the village, it was like, what, five minutes? <laughs> you shot back an espresso. Yeah. And we walked the town. We're like, okay, done. It's that small, but it's also very, very special. So remote, so teeny. No foreigners except a few of these British people, thanks to the David Bellamy family. So Janice, Richard, maybe six other English people. And it's a nice little expat gathering for them. And the locals all love them because they all have learned Italian. Yes. So that's key. So the second night we were there, Janice and Richard said, okay, we need to take you to a festival in a village called Viano. When she described what the festival is like, it's like that Festa di Pesce that I described. In Lake Como. In Lake Como. That was a festival for the fish. This was a festival for I'm not sure what, but I will say that other than religious festivals, especially June through September, and this was the beginning of September, Italians celebrate anything. They'll celebrate a festival for uh, truffles. Horses, oranges, snakes. Pasta. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) That would be your choice. That'd be my choice. And they even have a festival of the marriage of the seas. That's really beautiful in Venice. Anyway, we decided we would all go to this festival and you can actually walk to the village of Viano during the day, which I think we did one day. It takes like 45 minutes on these old footpaths. But this festival started late afternoon, so we drove. And we get to the village of Viano, which is about the same size as Vezzanello. Teeny, but unlike Vezzanello, they have a piazza, a main piazza. And at the base of this piazza, on one end, is an incredible stone tower made out of these brick-shaped stones. Perfectly round, little holes for, what do you call that, guns. You know, their defense mechanism. Right, they, right. Guns or arrows or something. Arrows, right? Some yeah, point. they didn't have guns. They're a little... little well, they had <laughs> In the medieval ages, they didn't have guns. Yeah, it was just the sea who was attacking <laughs> oh, you. Right. <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> anyway, these towers are all over Tuscany, and I love them. So when we got to Viano, I was like, oh, I'm so excited. You know, we've seen those towers in in San Gimignano that have Mm -hmm. seven of them, but they aren't round. These round ones are even older. So I did a little history on them. And all of these Tuscan round towers reflect the complex variety of all the different geography. So some of these hills in this small region of Tuscany have uh, sandstone, some have travertine. So each each Tuscan tower is made from the available construction material. Yeah, the local materials. Right. So I thought that's because you're not going to cart anything up those hills. No, you take advantage of unless you're there. Julius Caesar's time and right. took slaves. Right. So in Viano, right at the base of this awesome tower, they had a band. They had a drummer. Uh, Janice sent me some pictures today of this festival 
they're fantastic. And actually, now that I say that, Tom and I are going to start a blog that mimics these podcasts so you can read more and see images. Right. That is on our list of things to do. But for now, I'll describe the picture of the band. They had a drummer, long hair. They had the name of the band was like Giacomo Vanna or something like that. They had an electric keyboard player and most importantly, the man with the accordion. There's not a band, a, a legit Italian band that, that doesn't, doesn't have, have an, accordion. an accordion. And let me just say that the Italians at one point, and I forget which town it was, but the Italians were like the largest producer of accordions in Europe. Oh, cool. Yeah. F- like historically forever. Yes. yes. There oh. used to be one, one, one town and excuse me for not knowing the town because I just thought of it right now. We'll look that up. They had, you know, 1,400 people that made accordions. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, you get, get, get your umpa band up with your Right. Accordion. Well, I would have thought more like Greece or some South American countries, but Italy, the local bands, they have an accordion player. So everyone there, once the band started, they started dancing and they knew this drill. They have this festival every year, but it's slow dancing, waltz type dancing with an accordion, albeit, but uh, they knew what they were doing. I did not. Well, the gentleman, let's just say the gentleman who asked you to dance, this this very nice, very short, short, yes, but very old, very old, short, <laughs> elegant old man, yes. very, very polite, came yes. over to ask Kimberly to dance. And um, he was, um, let's just say he was, Kim's about 5'7", and he was probably 5'1". Five, five foot or 5'1". <laughs> So he he had uh, yeah it was um, he, was, <laughs> he had a good time but it was it was embarrassing because I can't dance like that he was enjoying himself he looked so you you were I wonderful. was embarrassed you were embarrassed but mm-hmm. he was having a wonderful time the rest of the locals were looking at me thinking how come that American doesn't know how to slow dance yes to well, an accordion the same thing as the, <laughs> they said in Milan why can't you go home for the holidays right. <laughs> Anyway, this festival was so awesome. They served, besides the band, they served local wine, regional beer. It was awesome. And most importantly, they served this region's most famous item. It's called scabe. And I think that's a Latin derivative spelled funny, S-G-A-B-E-I, scabe. And it is these leftover pieces of kneaded bread that in the day... The women didn't want to waste any bread that the, any dough. I'm sorry that they had needed. They could have made pasta. Just saying. well, no. Oh, it's different bread. Dough, different exactly. dough. Different dough. Exactly. Sorry, sorry. Tom's obsessed with pasta. In case you haven't told, <laughs> haven't noticed. Anyway, they didn't want to waste the kneaded dough that they had made, so they put it aside. They're long, like well, like five inch long, little narrow strips of this dough, and they fried them. They deep fried them and put salt on top. And they're called scabe. So, but funny enough, nowadays, like at this festival, they dip them in Nutella. They Yuck. Put, yeah, right. Yuck. All Italian kids love Nutella. They grow up on it. And they put sugar, sprinkle sugar on it. It's a very far cry from its historical origins. The poor man's baguette. Yes. In its day, yes. it was the poor man's baguette. Now it's a it's a festival. It's like going to a carnival here and having um, cotton candy. So the locals in this village were so happy we were there. There were eight of us. 
six British people, two Americans, and three of those English women, all three of them were blonde, pale skin, blue eyed, and pretty. And it just made their day. Why that short old man asked to dance with me is beyond me because he had his choice of three beautiful blondes. Well, you know, you were the pick of the litter for his for the moment. <laughs> anyway, it was a lovely evening. I highly recommend going to any festival that is to be had wherever and whenever you are in Italy. June through September is the height of them. So on day three of being in Vezzanello, we collectively decided to take a road trip to Cinque Terre. Finally, I get to go to Cinque Terre. Oh, right. Finally, <laughs> yes. Because before you became a travel planner, you were an amateur travel planner. Oh, yeah, ouch. Was, yeah, well, it was a long time. It was a long time. It wasn't that long ago, but, you know, Italy- It was pre, let's put it this way, it was pre- It was pre-smartphones. With Google Maps. With Google Maps. I think we had Blackberries at the time. But, yeah, so we were driving a little little segue here. We were driving in another Fiat Punto. It seems to be our uh, our MO, the Fiat Punto. And I wanted to go to Cinque Terre. So we're driving back from Tuscany to go to Milan to catch a plane home. And I said, let's go somewhere interesting. And, and we're on the way up. And Kim said, let's go to Cinque Terre. And it's like, okay, how do we get there? So she had some level of map. I'm not quite sure because I was driving. And she said, okay, take a right here. I think we can go right over the mountains. So we're going up this mountain up, up, again. Up, up, up. <laughs> down, similar to the Similar backs. downshifting. And then the road, which the road ended from pavement to a gravel. And I'm like, okay, right at the top of the mountain. And then the road went from gravel to grass. <laughs> Not even dirt. Not even dirt. It was grass, remember? And we took that right in. And I'm like, there's nothing to the left of us. We're a little bit, we're a little bit high here. We pulled into this little, little village. I think it's the teeniest village I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. There was one old Italian gentleman. Yes. One old Italian gentleman. Yes. And there were literally, I mean, all the houses on the mountains like that in the day were built, abutted to each other, you know, for strength. So maybe there was like collectively five or six quote unquote houses built together. And this man was standing at the well for water. Right. I mean, that's a deep well, right? Well, yeah, maybe. You don't know that. And he stared at us with complete shock and disbelief, A, that there was a car there, and B, he could tell instantly we were foreigners. Like, what were we doing? And lost. And totally lost. So I got out of the car. We both got out of the car and said, buongiorno, senor. And try to explain ourselves and ask directions. And I was fluent in Italian and he did not understand me at all. He had a dialect that I barely understood. Basically, all we got out of it was like, no, no, <laughs> no, no, you can't get there from here. <laughs> like the like the Lake Como bus driver telling me, non si può, no, you, yes, no, yes, you can't. So. We had to turn around and go back down. So Tom never saw Cinque Terre. No. Hmm. Hmm. But we finally made it. We finally made it. On this trip with the Brits. So I'm sure most of you have heard of Cinque Terre, but in case you haven't, the name alone, Cinque Terre, stands for five lands. 
And these five villages are built into the most dramatic cliffs. And the houses are painted these really bright colors. So when you come in, when you enter by boat, it is so picturesque. It's so visually dramatic. And brightly colored painted houses aren't that popular in Italy, except on the water or on islands. Think of like Murano outside of Venice, that those are bright blues and Mm -hmm. aqua and stuff. But everywhere else, interior, it's sienna, ochre, rust. There's there's nothing quite like Cinque Terre in terms of the bright color. So that alone makes it stand out. And Cinque Terre itself is a national park that the country took over because it is so incredible. And they have established like over 100, 120 kilometers of trails that you can hike. There's 48 specific hiking trails and 100 kilometers of them. Nowadays, you have to get a ticket, which they just call the Cinque Terre card. Not that original, but I think they're just trying to keep track of how many people actually do the hikes because sometimes a trail is closed due to mudslides or just natural erosion. But they let you know you're never stranded, like you didn't walk for three hours and have to stop. So they they let you know if a trail is closed and you have all these options, which I'll describe. But we chose to go drive from Vezzanello to Rio Maggiore. That is the southernmost village. So the five villages from south to north are called Rio Maggiore, and then Manarola, Cornelia, Vernazza, and Monte Rosso. Monte Rosso is the furthest north. At Rio Maggiore and Monte Rosso are the largest and the most well-known and visited. Now, I would highly suggest taking a train instead of driving because parking is limited and we just got lucky, I think. So you can take a train. You get yourself to La Spezia. It was all because you danced with that nice old gentleman. That's why we got lucky. (laughs) I had a good vibe. had a good vibe. (laughs) Anyway, from wherever you're coming from in Italy, you get yourself to La Spezia and you take a train from there. You can... Go all the way to the north to Monte Rosso and work your way back by hiking or take the next, take the train to another stop or by boat. So you can take a boat from every village. It is so spectacular. And yet, because it's a national park, they give you all the three options, three amazing options of how to see and enjoy this place. So we decided we needed a proper lunch. It's about an hour and a half drive from Vezzanello. And we got there around lunchtime, so let's let's have lunch. Of course, we found the most idyllic oceanfront overlooking the water. Yeah, it was terrace up high, up outside, high terrace. very high view of the Mediterranean to your left, and cold beer, and view of the picturesque village to your right. Right, right. And as I mentioned, Janice sent me some pictures today from Viano Festival and as well this restaurant. And on the table in the picture, there's many cold Peronis and mm-hmm. then maybe a gin a tonica in front of my table setting. <laughs> <laughs> but we had this lovely, lovely lunch. And actually, Tom, Tommaso, I think that's where you had that simple salad with tuna that like stopped you in your tracks. Which I've recreated several times. Cannellini beans with some red onion, 
and a chunk of tuna in the middle of it. Like the whole can, the well, shape the whole of can, everything. Well, it's a different can because the cans, the tuna cans here, you get a little can of tuna. Imagine oh, yeah. something six or seven, eight, ten times that. <laughs> Not They're not going to put the whole tuna on it, True. but you can tell the size of the, the, the fish because you have this massive piece of tuna flesh in front of you in the middle. And then around that were all these fabulous tomatoes and then shaved Parmesan. Like the and, big, yeah. long oh, shaves yeah, with like just a ribbons, specific ribbons, ribbons of Parmesan. Exactly. And then olive oil and uh, a little balsamic vinegar and pepper. But the difference is... You're sitting in Chico Terra. <laughs> a and B, their olive oil, their Parmesan, yeah, yeah, their yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. It's just for for whatever reason, the soil, the sun, their innate ability to grow things that just have so much better and, taste than we do. And I've come home and I've when I came home, I recreated that salad and I've tried. It wasn't quite the same. It was quite the same, but it still reminds me of yes, that day. Yes. So we had this lovely, lovely, perfect lunch. But since we had had a few beers, a gin and tonica, maybe we weren't thinking clear enough to have brought lots of bottled water because it was very, very hot. But while we were sitting on that terrazzo having lunch, we had the breeze. Then you have to ascend through each village up to the trail. So we leave the restaurant and I made it like two minutes. I thought, oh, I forgot my bag, my little lightweight backpack that had my sneakers in it. So I said, go slow. I'll meet you guys back here. I ran to the restaurant, my backpack gone. I thought, bummer because it's a long way. I had only flip flops on, but it's not like the theft is popular. And I, it was my fault. I left it. And, you know, we had that really sweet waiter and, you know, Nikes are like liquid gold in Italy. So maybe, maybe he gifted his girlfriend my sneakers. I have no idea, but I met back with everyone in my flip-flops and none of us had enough water. So I'll leave you there. A five-hour hike ahead of us over the hills of Cinque Terre in (laughs) flip-flops. So listen to our second episode on this awesome road trip to hear how it went. Obviously, it was tutto buono. Obviously, you were never a Girl Scout. Be prepared didn't come into your... <laughs> I was a Girl Scout. I failed. <laughs> anyway, listen to our second episode. Thank you again so much for listening. Please share the love. Give us a rating, review, whatever it takes. And we really are grateful. Grazie e ciao ciao. <laughs>